Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Do you want to talk about your character who died last session? Like, that's, you've been playing that character for a while. My heart. My broken heart. Yeah, feeling awkward. Uh, not sure what to do. Uh, cue music. Welcome to another fine episode of Panos Talking Games. Uh, I am your host, a GM who hates killing characters, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda, who's kind of thinking about that statement because the obvious opposite is I, you know, am a player who hates to die. I don't know. Sure. But a player who hates to die. But that's, that's fine. not actually true. Well, that then maybe you're a player a who likes to die for the right reasons. Right. I, I am a, no, no, the player, me, the player doesn't like to die. That's, we're definitely saying this wrong. Character, anyway. Oh, well, let's just move on from here. This is complicated. I am a story-focused player, and sometimes that means my characters die. And when they do, it breaks my heart, and I love it. There we go. <laughs> anyway, as you may have guessed from a bunch of conversation about character death, we are going to try to keep using the correct words character death because <laughs> sometimes I know that gets a little squishy for us. Um, we have a topic today from Alice Kira on Twitter who asked, I have a friend who's recently had a character they played for many years in a campaign die. I was wondering if you have any advice for handling the death of a player character and ways to manage the emotional bleed that can come from that. Yes, probably. We think so. Probably. Some ideas at least. Yes. We're going to, we're even going to take it beyond emotions, but let me not get ahead of ourselves. And let's first talk about character death. Yes. I think we are all aware of what character death is in a game. Character death is when the persona that a particular player plays in the game has ceased to often cease to quote live. But really what it means is that this persona can no longer participate in the narrative of the story. Yes. Now we got to also kind of separate here that not all game, not all games treat death the same way. Yes. So some games, death is just an inconvenience. D&D, mm -hmm. &D, Pathfinder uh, being one of those. Not through the whole game. At lower levels, death is death. And then at some point when you gain some sort of resurrection-like abilities, death is a resource issue. Yes. Uh, in most cases, right? There are, of course, narrative things like body fell in lava, got disintegrated, something like that, where um, you can't recover the person and, and bring them back. But in, the, in those games where there is the ability to return someone from the dead, death is not exactly the same. Yes. And then there are other games where death is just simply that. If your character dies, you are removed from being able to affect the narrative anymore. Yeah. Okay. Under that, we have defined basically three ways that character death can kind of come about. The, the three most common mechanical ways that death can be written into a game, I think. 
Excellent. Yeah. Would you would you like to do the first one? Sure. Um, so the doomed or destined death, right? So this is like, um, what's the name of the playbook in masks? Is it doomed? Oh, um, gosh, I want to say it's the doomed, but I, feel I don't like think it's just that. The, I, 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 I can't remember. <laughs> um, but but so you you may actually be walking into, you know, a character situation that, you know, this character is going to die. It is actually the doom. It is actually the doom. Woo! <laughs> we got it right. So, so you know when you pick up that playbook, um, the end point for this character in the story is their death, right? Um, and you might know that at the beginning, or you might realize through play um, that the logical story end or the most interesting story end for a particular character that you are playing is going to result in their death. Like sometimes the character that we're playing or the story that we're playing is going to be a tragedy in that way. And sometimes that is just the coolest, most interesting choice to make. And we're on board to just do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, uh, sometimes just the campaign structure. Yeah. States it. Um, those kinds of things. Or, it, you know, I'm going to hearken to a movie. Sometimes in a movie, uh, there becomes a point where you realize that a character or characters are doomed slash destined for death. Um, the one that comes to mind for me is uh, Rogue One. Sure, yeah. There becomes yeah. a moment in Rogue One where, where you're, like, you're like, oh, oh shit. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. Like, so that's happening, right? Like, <laughs> okay. We're like, wow, we're, yes, everyone, yeah, so, okay. Right. Okay, so Oof. everybody's okay. Yep. Okay. <laughs> exactly. All right, so doomed and destined is one thing. The reason we bring up this particular type is because this is one where players go in with some knowledge that this is going to happen, not could happen, not might happen, but a pretty good understanding like, yep, I'm playing the doomed. The clock is ticking for my character. Yes. Okay. The next one out of the three is the random slash choice. And what that means is that through random circumstances, your character is on death's door lost hit points, failed to roll, failed to save, whatever it is, some random occurrence has brought your character to Death's Door. But the rules of the game allow the player to make a choice of whether their character is just down and out uh, or they are going to um, pass through and, and die. And that puts the choice onto the players, right? So mechanically what happens is it's random. We didn't know it was going to happen. I mean, we knew because we're playing the game, but we didn't know when it was going to happen because the dice just came up against us and bam, we're now on death's door. But it places the final decision into the hands of the player who the player could be like, no, I'm really attached to this character. Uh, I just want to be down. Yeah. And like, either captured or they come back and get me later or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you work or, around it. Yeah. Yeah. Or they're like, oh, you know what? Timing actually looks good or I'm kind of bored playing this character or whatever story. Like this looks like a good point in the story. I'm going to let my character pass. Yeah. But it puts it on the player. Yeah. I actually really like that one. Like for randoms, I really like that one. Like give the player the last option yeah. kind of thing. Okay, what's the third one? Yeah, the third one is 
random random, right? Yes. Which is um, a situation randomly occurred in which you've ended up at death's door. Um, and you will either randomly be able to survive that or not, right? So D&D is the easy example here, although as we discussed with D&D, especially at higher levels, death is more of a resource issue than a permanence issue, but um, it's an easy one to call out because, you know, so you end up at death story, you got zero hit points, now you're rolling death saving throws. You fail death saving throws, you're dead. You did. You just yes. dead. Right. You did. And and maybe you'll make your saving throws. Maybe you won't. Maybe, maybe you somebody won't. will get to you in time. Maybe, maybe they won't. Maybe someone will be able to pour a healing potion down your throat, but maybe they can't get there, right? Like, Correct. Who knows? And no one so, planned for this. And there's only so much that anyone can actually try to do to help you. Yep. Cyberpunk Red also has something very similar to this as well, um, where there's like a death save and like the same thing can happen. Yeah. So... Okay, so those are, and there are, of course, obviously in the spectrum of games, other types, but these are, these are pretty common. Like you will probably recognize one of these in your, uh, in your games. Okay, knowing that, you should talk about character death in session zero. Yeah, and we talk about a lot of things you should talk about in session zero. So like, you know, I do totally get that. Uh, eventually yeah, you can't, you're like, <laughs> you can't always talk about all the things, but, um, but I think it's worth it to at least spend a moment on, you know, in this game, this is how death works. So we all have a shared expectation. If you fail the death saving throw, that's how it is. Or, um, do we not like that? Do we want to switch that mechanic for something else? Because we hate that if you're playing for a year that you could just randomly be killed by something or, you know, um, whatever it is, taking the time, just a moment to quickly have that conversation. I think especially with people who are experienced at playing either the game that you're playing or other games. So they have a pretty good idea what death means. Um, I think it's, it's a good idea if you can slip it into your session zero, right? Yeah. And I think if it's more common in your game, Mm-hmm. You know, or, you know, like if you're playing a game where it's like, look, characters die all the time kind of thing, it's worth having a discussion. Yeah. And, you know, like, for instance, I'll bring this up. I'm getting ready to kick off a, my Cyberpunk Red game in probably a month or so. Like, we're waiting. my Knights Black Agents game has to wrap up, but it's getting really close. So I'm, again, not a huge fan of random, random death. So I'm going to actually... Uh, house rule Mm -hmm. to make it random choice yeah so if you fail your death save or whatever i forget what it's called in in uh cyberpunk red you can die or like something else happens to you like you can live but you have to go to a corporation to like get this person put back together or you know like some you know street mafia guys gotta rebuild them and like you now owe the mafia like whatever it is there will be an additional cool complication to this story oh yeah you'll pay for it right like i'm not you just won't get up and shake it off like something will happen in the story to make it like well you lived but now you owe right um (laughs) But that's very cyberpunk. So very. But and the thing is, and the reason I bring this up for cyberpunk is cyberpunk has this really cool life path system where when you make a character, there is this whole life path thing you go through where you roll up like um, where you grew up, like your parents, your siblings, your former lovers, if you have any enemies, like it makes this whole background. But then just to go get wasted in a bar fight. Yeah. 
like squanders <laughs> like, like all this all this story right like it it has this cool character background thing but it also was like yeah well your character could just die and I don't like that. Right. And that's fine. A game designer's choice, but I can amend the game to pull it back so that I can be like, yeah, you don't have to die. Like we can have something else cool in the story happen because maybe you really like your background. Yeah. And you might not okay. get that kind of background again. Right. Correct. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And again, we are all here to have fun. Uh, so, you know, you do what's fun now, for instance, I don't offer that. In my uh, games of dungeon crawl classics. No, because that would be you like, all came you, in. You can't be in a funnel and be like, actually, none of my people die. <laughs> like, right. Exactly. <laughs> like, like it, it, it really depends on the game and what you're going for. In DCC, I am just like the dice fall where they may. The now, DCC actually, DCC is actually pretty smart. They actually have a built-in second rule to potentially save your dead character. So if your character dies, right, I think there's a check. You go to zero hit points and you have like so much time for somebody to get to you with some healing or something to put you back up on your feet. Otherwise, you're dead, dead. But even if you're dead, dead, at the end of the combat, there is a random chance. Like you roll some dice to see if everybody thought you were dead, but, but you're, you're really like actually unconscious right. or something. Yes. That's a kind of amazing, actually. Right? Like it's so it <laughs> right. It handles the random death thing, but it adds like an extra one that's just like, well, just in case, just maybe in case. you're not. Just yeah. maybe, just maybe, we'll give you one more chance. Exactly. One more layer of chance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So having now talked about death and talking about uh, having the potential of having a discussion about character death in session zero, even if you don't do it in session zero, if you do it before it happens. Yeah, before the person, anybody. Before anyone before anybody dies, dies. You might like save yourself some heartache. Okay, cool. I want to talk about um, kind of framing out how we're going to talk about the rest of the episode. So when we talk about a character death, character death is not an isolated event. No. It obviously affects the player whose character it was, but it also affects the GM and the rest of the group. Yes. It also impacts, it has an emotional impact, which is what Alice asked us to talk about, which we are absolutely going to talk about. Mm -hmm. But it also impacts the group dynamic of the group of players and characters, and it impacts the story. Yeah. And so, you know us, if there's any time that we can cross two, cross two sets of things, <laughs> we will. So we are going to talk about the impacts of character death on emotion, group dynamic, and story. And we are going to talk about it, talk about each one from the perspective of the player whose character died, the GM of the game, and the rest of the group. Mm-hmm. Because we are just like that. If we can make a, if we can make one of those matrices out of a thing, boy, we are. We will. That's just what we do. Matrices. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, starting with the emotional impact, because that's what Alice originally asked us to talk yes. about was emotional bleed and handling the death of a player character. Let's. We're gonna ping pong our way through this. Let's talk about the emotional effects and coping for the player the GM, and then the group. And I'm going to kick it to you to start with talking the about the player. Yeah. So the, the player is 
frequently the person who gets hit, I think, the hardest, although not necessarily exclusively, right? It depends on the dynamic of the group. But they're the person that we know is going to get really hit by this generally, unless unless for some reason they were really uninvested in their character. But um, so the thing to me is it's their character. They are the person who is probably the most emotionally attached and committed to this particular character. They're the person who has invested the most time and energy um, into this character's story, their personality, all of that kind of stuff. Um, And as Alice said, I think that there is inevitably going to be bleed from that. I think um, that's the sign of of good engagement in the game is that the loss of that character doesn't feel great um, and is a sad thing. Um, And I think then it, it becomes important to have the time and the space to maybe celebrate um, that character and also process the fact that they no longer exist in a way where you get to use them um, in the narrative and in the story, right? Mm-hmm. That there are no new future stories for that character. Um, <clears throat> it doesn't mean that, um, you know, if you are still emotionally attached to that character, it doesn't mean that you can't explore um, avenues of uh, I guess flashback kind of previous stuff because you 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 can explore anything on your own both you know in writing or whatever way it makes the most sense to you you know when you're not ready to let that character go um, you can still explore the full range of of their life up until the point you know that it ended um, but uh, but it does mean you you have kind of a hard end point on which there's no future stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to throw out a couple of things that I like to do. Um, we've talked about some of this stuff before as like maintaining engagement and that sort of thing, but sometimes it also works really well for processing um, big changes in characters like this. Um, which is maintaining some kind of engagement with the concept of that character so that you can process through whatever feelings you're having, right? And sometimes that looks like, um, you know, playlists are one of my faves. Um, And my group in general, I think, um, gosh, there are some playlists that have been shared with me from old games that... um, will still bring me to tears uh, because they were playlists created kind of in memorial of a character. Um, The one that I'm thinking about right now was was sort of a, became a destined to to die character, Um, but still his loss was (laughs) really intense. Um, we, We actually sat down together and specifically played through the game where he died because we had to get to the conclusion for that character and we we didn't really reach it all the way in the game itself. And so we sat down just him and I and the GM and played that through and that was really intense. And then there was a playlist. Um, so that's a thing. Um, but I also think that you have the opportunity to engage with letter writing. Um, there's a set of letters from one of my games that a dead character had sent out before he passed. And um uh, also tearjerker for me as just being in that group, but it gave that player the opportunity to, as that character kind of wrap up all of their loose ends 
with everybody. Um, and we just kind of, you know, worked from the assumption like this was before he died. He sent out this letter kind of thing, knowing that he was going to, um, mm-hmm. which we just kind of, you know, retro retroactively tacked in there. Um, so, so kind of engaging basically in being able to clean up loose ends or emotions and feelings, both for that character and for yourself, when your time with that character comes to an end and whatever that looks like, whatever that engagement looks like, to me, it usually looks like being able to kind of continue to engage with the idea of the character um, outside of the game in a way that I'm able to process through my emotions about it and kind of the, the end point of where that story got to for that character. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts to add? Those are the things that I've done in the past. Um, yeah, I think, I think, I mean, I think you covered a lot of it and very well. I think that the things that came to my mind, right, are making sure that you create space for uh, the character who died in game and after game. Like yes. recognize that if you have lost a long-term character, that uh, maybe you don't have to get all four hours of your game in. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe <laughs> we just kind of get to the scene, you know, this the scene that it happened and some aftermath scene. And then, you know, maybe we drop out of the game and all just kind of share that moment, right? Yeah. Have that moment. But also recognize that those feelings can happen like after the game, later. So a check-in. Like check in with the, you know, group, check in with the person to make sure that, you know, if they seemed fine leaving the game, that are they still fine? Yeah. Like we want them to come back, right? So we want to make sure that they're okay. And obviously if we're playing a game, we want to make sure that everybody is like, you know, we're holding everybody whole. Yes. To begin with. Yes, 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 yes. Agree. Can I talk about the GM? Yes, please jump in. That was a lot about the player, but. uh, Sure. So. The GM, the GM also is going to feel when a character dies, especially if it's a long-term character. Uh, you're the reason the character's dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you rolled the dice, you took the actions, like, you did those things. Now, I, as a, like, lifelong GM, will obviously try to be as impartial as possible when it comes to placing attacks on players. Like, I often will roll randomly to, like, see who I'm going to, you know, who, you know, the creature attacks, whatever, whatever. But ultimately, at the end of it, you're the one behind the screen. And so you are also going to feel something. Sometimes you are going to feel bad mm-hmm. that the character died during your game. And if you don't feel bad that the character died, if it was one of these kind of random, random deaths or something, you may feel bad that one of your players has not had a good time. Yeah. And that may or may not be true. Depending on the game, the player may be perfectly fine being like, look, man, I knew that, like, I knew the game we were playing. This obviously could have happened at any time. I skirted it several times only to run out. Um, And you may feel like as a GM, you may feel bad, like you have failed to entertain your players. You have made a player sad when you didn't intend to. Yeah. So there is kind of a, um, there is kind of a reverse thing where the player and the GM need to make sure that they're like, they're they're cool right like like the gm needs to kind of one square up with themselves like are you okay what happened like is it okay how do you feel are you okay to move on with the game yeah and then also do you need to say anything to the player maybe you do 
Maybe you don't depend again. A lot of this will depend on the game you're playing and the stories you're telling and things like that. You know, it could very well be like, well, that's how the dice fell and it sucks and I'm sorry. And, um, you know, and then the player's like, no, I understand it sucks, but like, you know, that's what it is. And everybody's going to be okay. Um, or not. So as a GM, don't discount the fact that because you're on the other side of the screen, that there isn't a hit that comes from this. Like there totally is. And take a moment to kind of check your feelings about it. Yeah. I okay. mean, the first time I had a long-term character die, I'm going to tell you, honestly, I was pretty mad at the GM. Like yeah. we all failed our perception check. And then he, 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 I mean, he followed exactly the rules as written. It, like it wasn't his fault as it were. Right. But it specifically said in there that the dragon would go after the, the ancient invisible red dragon and if you've listened to this show you know i've talked about this before so like obviously these feelings have stuck with me for like 25 years or whatever the ancient invisible red dragon it specifically said in the pre-written adventure that it would go after the smallest squishiest looking character which was me a halfling rogue and boy i did not have the hit points to get nommed on by a dragon so that was that was one of those immediate unexpected death from invisible you know I had one my one chance to avoid it was to succeed at the perception check which I failed so immediate death uh from there right I was not particularly pleased I was not happy (laughs) um I guess I guess the thing I will say is that except for the rarest of games if you are excited that one of your uh, characters in as a GM, one of the characters is dead. Yeah. You're probably in the wrong emotional side of this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I mentioned some, I, I say some specific games. Paranoia is a game where I waste characters oh, with yeah. utter glee. You should be delighted to waste characters in that game. That's the point. Sure. Uh, in a game, in a horror game, like a um, last girl kind of game, sure. aliens, things like that. Yep. I'm expecting some character death. If you if if you didn't get any, you feel like you kind of didn't succeed as a GM. If we're playing a DCC funnel, mm-hmm. lots of death. I'm looking to I'm looking to waste a few of these characters. Mm-hmm. I don't need to waste all of them, but I want to I want to bury like I'm putting a few of them down. Yes. Now, okay, so. And those are obviously notable exceptions, right? But for the most part, like if my aux game, if one of the characters died oh right now. Oh my God. Like I would be seriously not okay. Now, yeah. there's a lot in my game to prevent that from happening. Like, but if like one of those characters died, like I would be like, holy shit. Like, I don't even know what to do with that. I wouldn't even know how to process that as a GM. Yeah. Okay. Talk about the group. What's the, what on the, on the emotional side for the group? What else comes up? Yeah. So, you know, the group just saw someone else's character die, which means that they are reminded that all of their characters are mortal too, right? Um, Yeah. So firstly, there's that. Um, Secondly, they are dealing with, um, you know, the potential, uh, we're going to get more into this, but the potentials of their character's feelings about that character and their loss to bleed into them as players and individuals. Um, So they may also be experiencing some of that, especially if there was a close relationship there. Um, And then, you know, 
I'll just say this because all of the examples that I brought up as, as player, those were actually all things that we did sort of, they were done by individuals to help process the loss of a character. Um, but they were things that were shared with us as a group. Um, and so you can group process those emotions and feelings in a lot of ways. Um, you know, and you can share whatever the, you know, the player can share whatever they're comfortable sharing as an individual. Um, like those playlists went out, right? Like I didn't make that playlist, but it makes me cry every time (laughs) because it was, oh man, (laughs) like just thinking about it. Right. Like, and it was a thing. And my character was heavily invested in his character. There's literally, you can't see it because this is audio. There is a picture of our two characters on an ice cream date, well, a a commissioned art piece sitting on my bookshelf behind me um, of these two characters from our our Tales from the Loop game, right? Um, And so there was absolutely bleed for me, not as the player who lost a character, but as a player of a character who cared intensely about the character who was lost. Um, there's going to be group lead on that emotionally. And so, you know, as the, the group of players, you might not be engaging directly in that particular character, but you are probably engaging in the ways that your character processes that as partly as a way for you to process it. And then you are also checking in and taking the time that you need as a group to respond to that change. Um, I will just call out, I think one of the most uh, beautiful processing of character death moments that I get to say. And, and this one's easy because I can tell you about it and share it with you um, and tell you to go listen to it. It's, it's not one of mine. Um, but for anyone who has been listening to campaign skyjacks, um, there is a, a character death um, reasonably early on in the series um, when they are in um, the city of Bougenith and they, I'm trying to do this without completely spoiling for anyone who may not have listened to that yet. It's been out for a while, but whatever. Um, you know, as a group, they lose a character, a very important character, um, because someone had to leave the show and like that kind of thing happened. So it was, a, it was sort of a doomed destined thing. People knew about it, but, and, and like, and as a listener, sort of a, a side participant to that game, Like I heard that I was very sad and I had to emotionally process a little bit. And then they did the funeral, right? Like, so as characters in group, they process together. And that is the point at which I was bawling my eyeballs out in the car driving to work. And I got to work and I was like, everybody was like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm not okay. I've just lost a fictional character in a podcast, right? Like, so um, I guess the, the key takeaway there is, you will need to um, process also as a group, right? And and some of that can happen in game, which is beautiful when you can do that because then it, it allows you to process those um, emotions. Even when they're bleedy emotions, you get to process that in character in the game and that there's something that feels very appropriate about that. But don't let that stop you from also processing outside the game and sharing whatever feels uh, kind of appropriate um, you know, in memorial to that character, if that's a playlist, if that's sending, you know, receiving letters and reading them, 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, if that's something that your character didn't get to resolve with the character who is dead now, right? Like how, how would you resolve that? Even if it's something you take care of out of game as a letter or a journal entry or, you know, a flashback story that you write for yourself, whatever that is, um, you know, give yourself the opportunity to process and tie up those loose ends, even when it's not your character. I guess that's, that's really what I'm getting to, right? Yes. Yeah. Good. Cool. <laughs> Good. Okay. So there, just to sum up, right, there's a lot, there are a lot of emotions and it's more than just the player who lost their character. Yes. And as a group, as individuals and as a group, you process those and, um, and find a way to kind of move, to move on from it. It is like losing a favorite character from any other kind of media, but worse because it's yours. Yeah. <laughs> like it was like actually when we lose yours. a character in a movie, yeah. we may have some attachment to it, but it wasn't one of ours. Yes. So it is like it is the same emotions as losing characters in other media, but it is more personal. Yes. All right. Let's let's move on from the emotional side. Let's talk about something else that is actually also going to affect the game uh, at the player level. And at the character level, which is group dynamics. Yeah. And what I mean by group dynamics is I mean, how well does the group of characters and the players, right? How well does that group progress through the story? Are they in harmony with one another? They, you know, have smooth decision making. Are they progressing forward? Are they getting tripped up and arguing over every turn in the dungeon? Do they have um, abilities that complement each other? Are they using them to complement each other? Do they have like team ups or do they, you know, uh, this person's power uh, links up with this person's power to do these cool moves? Those kinds of things, right? When are they, when are they in harmony and when are they in disarray? So we've talked about this in previous, we've talked about this in previous shows. When a player enters or leaves a group, you disrupt the group dynamic. But the same is true when a character enters or leaves. So when a character dies, the group dynamic of the game and of that group of characters and players has been disrupted. Yes. And it will have an effect on the upcoming sessions. And again, one of the things I think probably worth noting here now, we are assuming that that player is going to make another character. Yes. Yeah. I think that is a, a good thing to note as an assumption. We are assuming that whatever the situation is, players making a new character, you're all sticking with the game and moving forward. Um, if that's not the case, then this stuff may or may not have any impact on you. Yes, if there, it would be, I don't, it would be <laughs> terrible. Like I, I would feel doubly bad if a, player's character died and then they were like i'm leaving the game i've played that game in college though right like i'm so mad that my character died that and like annoyed with the rest of you that i'm just out right like i'm done um i wasn't that person but i contributed to that situation and it's not something i'm proud of right it's um, different if it's in reverse if it's like hey i'm leaving the game and then you kill off fine. my character that's, that's fine. fine that's you tying up loose ends yes. but if but if somebody's character died and that's the reason you leave the game yes that's terrible <laughs> i'm hoping you're making a character anyway i'm hoping you're making your next character okay Hopefully so let's go on the assumption you are you're a yeah so you're making a new okay. character so as the player 
You now have to figure out how to fit a new character into the group. And we are going to make one more assumption about this, which is that you didn't just take your character sheet, erase the name at the top and put a new name on it, right? Like, (laughs) Absolutely fair, right? We're assuming you are actually making a new character that has to fit into the group of, of, of characters who has now been, you know, working together for X amount of time, right? Um, and you have to make them fit in and you have to rebuild relationships um, or not even rebuild. You have to build new relationships with all of these characters, which is always awkward. And it's even more awkward because this time, instead of potentially everyone working on what those relationships look like and, and how they work um, at the table, it's just you. You're the one trying to create new relationships right now. Um, mm-hmm. And simultaneously, as a player, you have to also rebuild your investment in this character, especially if you were playing that character. You know, if it was a long term campaign like um, like Alice Kara was talking about, like you've been playing this game for two years or something like that. You lose a character. You start a new character from scratch. I'm sure you're still invested in the game and the storyline, but it will take you time to invest the same um, amount of emotional commitment um, and energy into a new character as what you had in two years of investing previously in your previous character that you lost, right? Like that is the other inevitability. Um, So there's a lot of work to be done, right? Both in terms of creating your own emotional investment in the new character and also making them fit into the group and invest in the group for that group dynamic to happen again. Yeah, absolutely. From the GM side, the GM has got to take into account now as they're prepping their games and as they're playing out the opposition in the game that the group's previous performance has been disrupted. You can't expect them to operate on the same level they were while they are reorganizing yeah right in this current state they are somewhat in disarray they are not at their peak performance again so for a little while you have to for a little while you are going to have to give them a little more grace in addition when we talk about long-term games i know as a gm that i become one pretty comfortable that i know everybody's abilities what they can and can't do but they also you also learn like how they do things in the game so you start to factor some of that into your prep like you start to think like well they'll definitely hack that because you know they're you know they have a hacker in the group and they're gonna you know that's what they do but if the hacker dies right and the new character isn't a hacker yeah now their previous modius operandi has is different and so from the gming side as you're trying to prep out your games and you're trying to think of what's going to happen you can't rely on the consistency that that group had you can't be like oh well they'll definitely use that spell so i should do x or they're definitely going to use this spell so this challenge which looks really hard will actually be less hard like those things are now all messed up and so you've got to, as a GM, you're going to have to do a little extra work 
to take that into account and kind of um, open yourself up a bit to, I don't, it'll feel more like when you first started the campaign, when you're like, I don't know what they're going to do, or I don't know how this player fits in. And so sometimes it may totally surprise you. Like the new character may come up with a power or move or something that previously there was a thing you did and you were like, eh, this will give them a good challenge. And now the new character's like, nope, I can short circuit that in one second. Phew, right? Or... Yeah. <laughs> vice versa you set up something and you're like yeah the player should have no problems getting through this but now they lack something from that previous character and now they're flailing around yes so you have to take that into account you also as the kind of default facilitator to the game not the sole facilitator but kind of the default facilitator to the game need to do some work to get them reorganized and back into a functional group and you're just going to have to create some story give them some low stakes oppositions that they can kind of cut their teeth on and like get back to the norming we talked about that in previous episodes but go from norming back to that stabilized group kind of thing and then once they do and you kind of you have a new rhythm then you can kind of fall back on the things that you know about the characters and set up your challenges yeah and then from the actual group perspective the rest of the characters um again as phil was saying from the jam perspective that you may have lost specific team up moves or tricks that you did together um you've also lost sort of whatever camaraderie or specific relationships you had built with that character and so you have to find you know not only the new mechanical connections potentially with the new character you also have to find the new ways that your characters relate and interact and potentially the new justification for like bringing this new character along what you know if you like them, if you don't like them, like, why do you care about them? Why would you save them if they were dying again? You know, that kind of stuff. You have to recreate all of those justifications um, and reasons and relationships that you may have had and that you may have had long going just built over time. And you have to kind of, you know, rebuild maybe a little bit more quickly just to get everybody reintegrated. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and try to, as part of the group, go out of your way to try to find something to be able yeah. to, like, in terms of team ups and stuff, be like, oh, you have that ability that rains arrows. Oh, cool. I can I can do this spell that, you know, will lock people in place on the ground. Or sets so them on then, fire so that they yeah, exactly. fire arrows. Yeah. <laughs> And what that'll do is it'll make the the player who's new, who's got the new character, it's going to make them feel really good because they'll be like, oh, yes, like I am contributing again. Yes. In a new way. In a new way. Yeah. yeah. I am now involved again and have a, you know, a solid foundation of what I can do to help and be part of the story again. Yeah. Which, so cool. Which I'm just going to say. And we're going to lead into this because the next thing that we are going to talk about is the story. But I do think it's really important from the group perspective, um, the really the table perspective to make sure that the person who lost a character um, gets access to being part of the narrative and being invested and involved again, kind of as, as soon as you can, because otherwise you're just sitting there. My God, it, literally, it's the next line of the notes. We're going to talk about it. Why don't you start talking about it right now? <laughs> Welcome to story. I'm terrible, y'all. <laughs> Just always want to jump forward like it comes into my head. I don't know. ADHD. 
Anyway, yeah. So, but the new player needs new things like new new player. The new character needs things like new plots for the new character. Um, they need new attachment points to the story potentially, and then they need to grow into those moments in the story and that investment in the story from that character's perspective not just from the player's perspective if you've been playing a long time as a player like I said earlier you're probably invested in the story still even when you lose a character but the new character needs to be invested and involved in this story that is long and ongoing and started before them without them right right they also need to start coming up with they need to start figuring out their what's their secondary storylines yeah, they lost all of their, you know, B plots. Well, they had B right, plots. Right. What background? <laughs> what's so, what's what's your deal? What's your deal? Right. Um. But like, why are you here? And who else in the world do you care about? Or what else in the world do you care about? Um. What other things are you know going on at home or along the road or whatever it is that you know makes you a complicated and complete person and not just a cardboard cutout of a cleric who just you know does whatever. Um. Yeah, because you lost all of those deep connections to the world, too. Yeah. So you're going to want to figure out what is this character's story, Mm -hmm. right? What is this character's, what are they doing in the course of this game? Yeah. Like as the big stories going on. Yes. Cool. All right. So same thing from the GM side, right? So there's two things from the GM side. You got to figure out what to do with the previous characters' plots. Yeah, if they're you left had unresolved. some B line, yeah. C line stuff that is now unresolved, and you have to decide: can some of that just fade away? Do the other characters in the group need to close it out? Mm-hmm. Like, does somebody have to go back to town and tell the barmaid her girlfriend? perished in the dungeon right like and, and give her the money right like right. that was promised like to her or something her, right exactly yeah. life insurance like, <laughs> yeah like if you're if you're actually tending your story right you need to close off those things you're gonna have to create some time in the story to close those things off yeah and then at the same time you need to start building new stories for the new character because that character also deserves to have their own stories and this can be even harder if you are in the late phase of your campaign and now you have to like put in a kind of compressed story arc because the campaign is on its way to ending you're in act three of whatever this campaign is and you've lost this character now the new one comes in you don't want to just not give them anything Right. Like, oh, you get no personal storylines, but also you don't have the time to develop them like you did for the other characters who had two other acts to build them out. Yes. So now you need to find something that's going to develop nicely in a short period of time that will feel satisfying. Yes. Yeah. So you have some work. That's some work to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, yep. And then as the group, you're you're on the opposite side, which is you need to find ways to work the new character into both the plot ongoing, the overall plot, and honestly into any of your B or C plots where it makes sense for that person to have some kind of, um, you know, investment or um, 
what is the word I'm looking for? Involvement. That's actually what I was looking for. Because maybe some of that stuff can be tied together. And it would be great for you and them if you could do it. And your GM would probably appreciate it massively too, because as Phil just said, they're trying to work out a lot of stuff in potentially a short amount of time um, mm-hmm. to get that new character in, enmeshed in the story in the same way that the old character was. Um, and again, in the story, you got to build out, you know, what it looks like to have relationships with that new character so that you can have story with that new character, right? And maybe, maybe part of the story is the evolution of someone's relationship with that character, you know, go from they shouldn't be here to, you know, awesome, so glad to have you along, or whatever it is. If, there, if there's some evolution to be had, um, that is also interesting story. Probably something you should work out in advance before a new character sits, just shows up. But, you know, but that's the kind of group stuff that you may be working your way through. Yeah, absolutely. So cool. By way of wrap up, let's talk about this. The loss of a longtime character has emotional impact on everybody uh, in the group. Uh, it is a thing that you will have to work towards, work through together and individually. It has an impact on the group dynamics of the characters and players. That is something that will repair itself. It just needs a little time for everybody to kind of figure their places out and shuffle things up kind of thing. Uh, but it will, given a little time, smooth itself out pretty naturally. Uh, story is kind of the same thing. Story will also smooth itself out over time, does require some work, a lot of it on the GM, but also the player needs to help the GM with what is the story of my character and the group needs to get that character embedded into their own stories and maybe in like unique and new ways because of who that character is. Yeah. Yeah. Sound good? That sounds great. Fantastic. Thank you, Alice, for a awesome question. Uh, one that when I initially picked it up, I was like, yeah, we should talk about it. And I was like, mm, I don't know what we're going to talk about. And then by the end was like, wow, we really do have a lot to say on this. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> which is excellent. So thank you very much. We are going to head to the closing of the show. But before we do, the speed bump that misdirected Mark always puts in our way before we can reach the closing is we are going to talk about another show on the misdirected Mark network. So as we make the sound of my car with bad suspension hitting a speed bump going a little too fast, please tell us about bonus XP. I can I just as as the person running misdirected Mark, should I be offended by the fact that this is apparently a speed bump? Anyway, yes, bonus experience. On bonus experience, Monica and her friends explore gameplay and design through the lens of diversity while also sharing some of the dumbest humor that gaming has to offer and always discussing the sparkling water selection. Um, yes, good. Cool, cool. <laughs> Say, Senda, where do people find us on the internet? Well, just like Alice Kira did, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. We are still there. I do try to check it with some regularity, even if it's not the same regularity that it used to be. Um, you can also find us each individually on Mastodon at Dice.Camp, and it is at Idella Mithland and at DNA Phil. You can find us on those with on, on bleh, you can find us with those. You can find us with those same handles on TikTok. Uh, where you can leave us a video requesting a topic too. We'll use your audio. That's pretty cool. Um, 
And if you don't like any of those places, you can leave us a note um, on the forums for Misdirected Mark, forums.misdirectedmark.com, or drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. There's lots of places you can catch us, and Phil, once they do, what can they do with that information? By all means, do what Alice did today and leave us a question. Ask us about a topic. Give us something that you would like to improve in your games so that we can share with you our experiences, our thoughts, our knowledge, our insights on GMing, playing and role playing in general. And if we uh, can do that, that is you give us a topic, we give you some insight. What we hope will happen is that those things will become easier for you in your games. And then the magic formula kicks right in. The easier and more fun you are having your games, the more you will play, the more great games you will run, play in as well. And the longer you'll be in this hobby, which is a thing we are all about is keeping you in this hobby. So send us some stuff. We would love to talk about it. Yes, please. If you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, consider supporting our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. You are not only keeping our lights on and supporting us, that's great. What you get in return is access to our Slack room. Uh, you get the content from our Children of the Shroud that MM Plays is doing. So you get bonus content from that. I actually record a little GMing thing each story, plus some of the materials that we put together for the campaign. At the higher levels, there is access to uh, games that Chris is running, as well as some stuff that Chris is writing and probably some stuff I'm going to be writing in a couple months as uh, once I come off of running Children of the Shroud, R Children of the Shroud is using up all my time. I can't write anything else right now while I'm running Children of the Shroud. So I'm OK with that. But it just means that for right now, that's my main contribution to the network uh, in general. Anyway, that's to say your patronage. <laughs> We will share some stuff with you. We like sharing stuff. So come join us and be a patron if you can. If you are already a patron of the show, thank you very much. If you are unable to support the show, we understand completely. But there is a thing that you can do with a little bit of your precious time that helps us immensely. Senda, what's that thing? Well, you could leave us a rating or review uh, on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Um, new reviews sort of help the algorithm bubble us up to the top, which is really helpful. But you can also just let a friend know if there's anybody who's looking for a show and it sounds like ours and you like us, uh, please feel free to recommend us. We uh, actually have... I think I think word of mouth is more effective, the most effective probably thing for sharing podcasts out. And we love having you all listen and would love to have more of you. So thank you so much to everybody who's left a review. Thank you so much to everybody who's going to leave a review. And thank you so much to everybody who's ever said, you know, on Twitter or anywhere else, like, hey, I like the show. Um, you really do actually send people at us and we appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Indeed, we do. Say, Senda, what character are you going to make? for our next game that hypothetically you died in but didn't really because we were just using it for the opening but just i need to be consistent for the, for the closing so i have to ask this question at the end yeah This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs.
Bloop. Yeah. I am clicked. It did the clicky clicks. I'm going to rearrange my microphone. Good, good. Bloop. I'm just listening to the sound of my washing machine very quietly going in the basement. I'm very confident that my microphone can't pick it up, but nope, it is I can't happening. hear it either. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Ryan. We're starting faster Hello, because Ryan. we're going to attempt to actually do this in a reasonable amount of time. Plus, we've been chatting all morning. So, oh, uh, yeah. That doesn't mean or, that we're not going to just keep chatting, though. No, not at all. <laughs> but if we're going to chat, let's chat about the show. Are you ready? Yeah. Hang on. I'm just trying to get the mic in the right place. I'm, ugh. Today is weird. Okay. Okay. I think I'm good. Okay. I think okay. I'm good. Bloop. Okay. Hey. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Bloop. Are you good? I'm good. No, I'm not good. Hang on. <laughs> okay. Are you good? Yes. Bloop. Yeah, I don't know. That. That. Bloop. Show me what you got. 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 